today and welcome to another great message from Mr. Christian Outreach Church. We pray you'll be inspired and equipped by this teaching. For more information on Noosa Christian Outreach Church, please check out our website at noosacoc.org.au. Enjoy. Thank you, Benjamin. Thank you very much. Please stand, stay standing for one second. Was that, did that hurt some of you to bounce back then? The Bible says, rejoice in the Lord. How often? Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. When? And again I say, rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing. Nothing. Be anxious for But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. And the people said together, Amen. Amen. Let's take a seat. Come on. Has anyone got uh, children who, uh, who, ask, who have asked that question, why? And then again, and then again, but why? Why do, we, why do we go to church, Dad? Because, son. Why? Because I said so. But why, ask your mother? We, you know, the greatest, the greatest philosophers, I believe, on the planet are... are five-year-old children because a a philosopher asks why and uh, at some point in our lives we stop asking why we stop asking why and you know uh, children they just don't stop do you to you know to the annoyance of adults children do not stop asking why because they see, you know, everything's new when you're a child. You, everything that you see a parent do, everything that you see someone else do is something new and you want to know why they're doing it, what's the meaning behind this thing and, and, where's, and, and can I be a part of it as well? They keep asking why. And I'll just suggest to you that a point in time that we as adults or the predominant adult, you know, population of adults stops asking why. We stop looking for the meaning in life when we start acquiring the means for life. You see, when you're a child, you don't need to worry about means. You don't have to worry about putting food on the table. You don't have to worry about who's paying the rent in this house that we live in. We don't need to worry about mortgages and cars and all these things. You don't have to worry about the means, but you're totally interested in the meaning and at some point in our life you know where we where we 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 grow through and we get a job and we start acquiring means and we put our focus more into means than we do onto meaning meaning in life has become less important than having the means to live a comfortable life you see we go through a crisis when we realize that we actually have no meaning 
is a common thing in middle-aged men. It's called the midlife crisis because they've spent the last 20 years of their lives acquiring the means for life and they realise they don't have any meaning in their life. So they go and buy a sports car to find some meaning. And that doesn't work, so they buy a Harley Davidson. You see, we are searching for meaning, but we don't realise it because we get distracted by means. Even with God, we can get caught in seeking the means of God and miss out on the meaning that God gives to our lives. I don't want us to get caught in existing in our faith. I see a lot more in us as a church. I see, I see, I see so much more. I see something different beyond existing. I see us living free. I see us dreaming things that never were and asking why not. I see us unhindered in our capacity to see, in our capacity to imagine, in our capacity to do and to create, in our capacity to love, unhindered by the means of life and driven by the meaning of life. I see a peace on God's people that is greater than the peace we seek on earth, the peace of health and wealth and agreement. I see a peace that is greater than these things. I see a conversation between believers that's one of hope and faith and love. One that's greater than the complaint of the day. I see the great physician replacing our stony hearts with hearts of flesh. I see us contemplating the mysteries of Christ and imitating what they contain and seeking to obtain what they promise. I see you and I living free. But what is this freedom? What's this freedom that we speak of? Is it something that you have? Is it, is it something that's provided for you? Is it the right to define self? Is it something you can gain or lose? Is it in, is it in a freedom of speech? Is it, in, is it in peace? I want to submit to you a definition to consider this morning. Consider this definition of freedom. Freedom is the state of being that allows you to be at peace at any given moment. In other words, it's where the circumstances do not hinder our capacity to see, to imagine, to create, to do, and to love. You see, when we don't have peace, when circumstances consume our world, what are the things that disappear straight away? Our ability to see things clearly evaporates our ability to imagine a scenario out of this place a strategy out evaporates our ability to create something disappears our ability to love disappears our ability to act you know we feel frozen don't we in Ephesians I mean in Philippians 4 we read earlier we read he gives us the peace that goes beyond understanding it surpasses all understanding And it guards our hearts and our minds through Christ. You see, it's when our hearts and our minds are are guarded through Christ that we begin to live free. We begin to be able to to see things as they truly are. We begin to be able to imagine uh, strategies and solutions and imagine futures that don't exist yet. We begin to create create those things that we're imagining. We begin to just do things without being hindered by, by the distractions of our day. And we'll begin to be able to love unconditionally. 
Our freedom in Christ doesn't become real when we start to believe in it. Our freedom in Christ becomes real when we start to believe in Him and start to follow Him with all that we are. You know, there's a phrase that our Lord Jesus is speaking out to those of, to those of us who believe. There's a phrase that He's speaking out to us, which is our vision for this year. But to hear Jesus speak, you need to still your life. You see, we get, we get, there's so many distractions in life that we need to still ourselves. We need to quieten ourselves so that we can hear what he's saying. And the word that he's saying is a simple word. He's saying, follow me to freedom. Follow me to freedom. It's like he's whispering it to us. He's whispering it over his church. He's whispering it over his people. And he's saying, follow me to freedom. Why? Because whom the Son sets free is free indeed. You see, freedom is not a human right. It's actually a heavenly trait. It's not something that someone needs to provide for us. It's something in us that nobody can take away from us so that we can respond in every situation free. We can see and imagine and create and do and love in every situation because we have a heavenly trait of liberty that is greater than any situation on this earth. It remains real even when we are neglected or violated. You are still free. You know, we live in a, a Western culture now that, that uh, doesn't believe in absolutes. We call, we, we call this generation the postmodern generation. And it's known for its scepticism of the word truth. It's known for its suspicion of reason. And here's the thing, in this age of scepticism, we must make sure that the beliefs and the values of our faith are embedded deep within our lives. When our beliefs and values of heaven are embedded deep within our lives, we get to walk according to them and not according to the skepticism or according to the circumstances of our lives. In other words, we are standing fast in his liberty. We stand fast in his liberty. You see, following Jesus, it seems like this mysterious thing, doesn't it? seems like this mysterious and difficult thing in today's day and age, but the simplicity of following Jesus is simply saying, I want to be like Jesus. We know what that means. I want to be like this person. I want to be like that person. We understand it in the arts. We understand it in business. We understand it in our communities. I want to be like that person. I want to be like that person. I want to be like, like, like that's a great father. I want to be like that father. I want to be like that singer. I want to be like that business person. We understand it very clearly and it's very simple and the desire in our heart shifts to this place. We say, I want to be like Jesus. Where do we start? We start at the Bible. We get to know God as we read his biography. His biography. We discover his will. We discover his ways. And we discover his power. And as we discover these things, as this knowledge grows in us, we begin to desire to follow him. And as we begin to desire to follow him, we begin to desire to be like him. And if we don't, 
we start to begin to believe that what we do is more important than who we are. Ever noticed in life that we can get just too busy to grow? Life gets so busy that we don't actually have time to grow. It's easy to commit ourselves to, to the acquiring of things and the actions that, that, that life demands from us until these things consume us and the actions exhaust us. And in the end, we forget why we were doing it in the first place. What we need is a settled intent in our hearts and in our minds to be like him. A settled intent in our hearts, in our minds to be like him. Problem is, is being like him is impossible. It's impossible to be like Jesus. almost like walking on water. Walking on water is impossible. And this year... I want to challenge you to walk on water. Yes. <laughs> to do the impossible. To imitate Christ. Consider Peter, the disciple of, of Jesus. He says, it's a stormy night. He's in the boat with the other disciples. And uh, meanwhile, Jesus is just walking, as he does, going for a, a, a midnight stroll on the, on the water. And, uh, and then Peter calls out. He sees him, calls out, and he says this from Matthew 14, 28. He says this. He says, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, this is Jesus, says, come. One word, come. And when Peter had come out, down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Peter did the impossible. But then... When he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Amazing story. While Peter was walking toward And while he was focused on Jesus, he was actually free. What was he free from? He was free from the law of gravity. He was lighter than water. He was free of the law of gravity while he was focused on Jesus, while he was heading towards Jesus. And then he started to sink. Why? Why did he start to sink? Because his focus shifted off Jesus. It shifted off heading towards Jesus. It it shifted on off looking at Jesus and began to look at the effect of the wind and the waves. You see, the liberty of God through Christ is in the fact that he is above all, that he is in all, and that he is through all. God is the only absolute in life. You can look anywhere, you can look everywhere, you can can suggest to be absolute zero, but no one's actually got there. He is the only absolute. All else is subject to change. So my challenge is to anchor yourself to the only absolute. In other words, when you're under it all, when you're in the middle of it all, or trying to get through it all, you can still be free because he is there with all power, with all authority, absolutely. You see, the greatest miracle of life is simply a life that looks like Jesus. 
It's a life that looks like Jesus' life. So how do we measure this freedom? How do we, what's the evidence of this freedom that we have? The Bible doesn't actually clearly give us a definition of freedom. So when I suggested you consider a definition early, I had to say consider because the Bible doesn't explain it. Jesus just says, follow me to freedom. What is that freedom? Don't worry about that. Follow me and you will be free. We know we want freedom. We all have our idea of what it looks like. And he's just saying, follow free and you will know freedom. So what's the evidence of this freedom? If you, if, you, if you link freedom to Philippians 4, where he says the peace that, go, that guards our hearts and minds beyond our understanding, you start to understand that the evidence of freedom is measured in our ability to see clearly, in our ability to imagine, our ability to create, to do, and our ability to love. You know you're free. I know that I'm free from you, from, from in life when you hate me and I can still love you. Jesus, he modeled this when Judas came to him to betray him. And what does he say? He calls him friend straight away. This is the evidence. Here's the thing. We cannot solve gravity. We cannot solve gravity. You cannot solve your marriage. You cannot solve your finance. You cannot solve the challenges that you have in life. You cannot solve them, but you can focus on Jesus. And I want to suggest to you that as we focus on Jesus, gravity is no longer a problem. The things, it's not about solving our problems, it's about focusing on him. We heard from Ben this morning that one of the girls was healed in his, in his meeting. They weren't even focusing on the problem, they were focusing on him and the problem was taking care of itself. I was just talking to my mother-in-law she, who was travelling across the Nullarbor and who, who, had been, who had body pain and she, she shared with me after Ben shared and she said, I was just worshipping across the Nullarbor and I, was, and I was healed from my infirmity and I wasn't even asking for it. Why? Because he's called us to focus on him. He's called us to, fo- uh, to follow him. He's called us to head in his direction. And as we keep our eyes on him, and as we follow him and head in his direction, he takes care of the gravity, of the weight of this world. Like Peter, we all fail in our attempts to be like Jesus. Peter said, hey, if that's you, Jesus, I want to do what you're doing. Invite me to come and join with you in what you're doing. And we've all said that at some point in our lives. We've all said, Lord, I want to be like you. I want to follow you on it. I want to do what you're doing. And then he says, come. And we start, we get, we're inspired. We start imitating the life of Christ. And then all of a sudden, something happens. We get a little splash of water. We get a little, little problem. We have an argument with our, with our husband or wife. We have, we, we have a little financial hiccup. We have something that happens in our lives and it takes our attention of Jesus. And instead of looking at Jesus and not worrying about the, the circumstance, we look at the circumstance and ask Jesus to solve it while we're looking at it. And he's saying, what are you looking at? It's not going to solve your problem. He's saying, look at me. Come towards me, seek first the kingdom of God, and I will take care of gravity. I will take care of the weight and the cares of this world, but you need to focus on me. I believe that we're going to see a lot more of the supernatural when we focus on the giver of the supernatural and not on the problem that we're hoping the God of the supernatural will solve. 
Here's the crazy thing. Walking on water, it wasn't a healing. It wasn't a deliverance. It was a display of God's power over natural laws. He says, don't limit my power to your survival. Attach my power to living a life of adventure with me. Don't limit my power to simply surviving earth. He's saying, it's time to get on board and walk on water with me and get above the weights of this world so that you can inspire the world with my grace, my truth, and my liberty. You see, we're not just free from something. We're free for something. Problem is, it takes risk. Peter's freedom included risk. You know, it's a difficult thing to walk in the freedom of God while the winds and the waves are crashing, while there's things going on. Some of you right now are thinking of the things that you've got on your, on your life. You're saying to yourself, it's all right for you, Josh, because your life's fine. Your life's you're fine. You look healthy. You, you look like you, you can handle things so you can walk on water with the Lord. I just need the Lord to help me survive from this problem. And you're right, it's It's difficult to focus on the Lord when the things of earth are screaming out so loudly. It's difficult to focus on them. And, and we see this in the life of Christ. You know, he's saying, come and follow me, but he also has compassion on the sick. He also has, you know, because sometimes we get so distracted from the things of God because the things of this world are screaming so loudly. And this is when he reminds us that we're not meant to do it alone. We're meant to do it together. You know, when we, when, I, when, we, when we established the vision each year, this year it took the longest of all of the years that we've brought a vision to this church because the Lord reminded me, he says, I know that you can do it alone, but can you do it together? And from about September last year, I would float a, a line, a, a phrase to the eldership, to the senior leadership, to the prophetic and ask them and submit it to them. You know, when Ephesians says, submit to one another in love, I believe he's saying, I know you can do it alone, but can you and will you do it together? And when you do it together, it always takes longer. It always takes longer to do it together. And you go, it just seems to take so much longer. And the Lord's saying, it may take longer, but let me tell you that the foundation that you establish will be greater. Because in the multitude of counsellors, we go to war. We go to war for the liberty of the saints and for the salvation of our community. So if we move in the direction of Christ and keep focused on him, that's when we operate in his power and his authority. Walking on water or a life imitating Christ is done best when it's at his request and we're focused on him as we do it by his authority and in his grace. Psalm 16.8 says this. It says, I have set the Lord always before me. Rejoice in the Lord always. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand and I shall not be moved. The beautiful thing when your eyes are fixed on him and you're heading in his direction and you do fail, which we all will. When you call out, Lord, save me, he is there, willing and able just to reach out and grab. 
this year at Noosa, our major focus is this. You living free. You seeing with clarity, imagining what could be, creating what you imagine, loving one another along the way. This is what we see. The nation of Israel, when were, were captive of, 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 the, of the nation of Egypt, captives of the nation of Egypt for 400 years. And God set them free. He released them from the tyranny and the captivity of Egypt. Yet here's the crazy thing. For a whole generation of Israelites, they were free, but they didn't live free. They were free from the tyranny of Egypt, but they didn't walk in the opportunities of the liberty that God had given them. And this is my heart for the church. This is my heart. You know, I I think it's time we say, enough is enough. I've had enough at looking at Christians who are not living free, who are not who are who are not enjoying the liberty of this gospel that we've been given. I want us to be walking in His liberty and 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 being creative and imagining things, imagining solutions, learning to love one another deeply. And He's saying it's as you love one another that the world will know that you are my disciples. But loving one another is an impossible act unless our eyes are focused on him. I guarantee you that if you follow Christ, you will love your husband more deeply. You will love your wife more deeply. You will find them more attractive. You will find, you know, that that quirky voice when when you first met them was lovely and now it's turned into this, you know, scream. You know what I mean? You will even find that beautiful. You know, you'll find this guy that just, just was a good, big snuggly guy. He was nice sitting on the couch and now you can't get him off the couch. You'll even love that guy. Why? Because the love of God is in us. If we're not loving out of the love of God, if we're not loving out of his love, every other form of love is subject to change. Only his love is absolute, unconditional and never changing. So I want to make sure that when I love you, when I love my wife, when I, when I love my community, that it's coming from his love, not my sympathy or not my desire. And the only way that we can do that is if we follow him, if we keep our eyes fixed on him and we don't let the gravity, the weight of the, of the things of this world to distract us. Freedom is not about solving every problem. It's a new heart. We read in Ezekiel that God is going to remove our heart, our stony heart, and replace it with a heart of flesh. Then we start saying things like Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, and we say, the Lord is well able to deliver us. The Lord is well able to heal us. The Lord is well able to set us free. But whether he does or doesn't, all glory to him, and may his peace be our peace. Jesus says many times, follow me, continue in me. He says, abide in me. He says, go and make. The list goes on. The list goes on and on about him inviting us to do life with him, to abide with him, to continue with him, to follow him. He keeps saying these things. He says it in, in John eight thirty one. He says, if you abide or continue in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Many centuries ago, a visitor came to an old monastery. 
looking for purpose and meaning in life. And the teacher said to the visitor, if what you seek is truth, there is one thing you must have above all else. I know, the visitor said, to find truth, I must have an overwhelming passion for it. No, the teacher said, the teacher said this, in order to find truth, you must have a continual readiness to admit that you may be wrong. Every area that we don't live in the liberty of him, I think we need to take a moment and admit that we may be wrong and begin to realign ourselves with his truth. We talk, we talk to each other about the, the lack of the miraculous. We talk to each other about the lack of hope, about the, the things that are missing in, in, the, in the modern church. And I, and I believe that these things are, are not the, they're, they're not the goal. The goal is Christ. They're the byproduct of us following Christ. Interesting, in, with Peter walking on water, there was never any mention of walking on water. Peter, no one ever mentions walking on water. All there is, is Peter saying to Jesus, if that's you, invite me to come. He doesn't talk about, Lord, give me the ability to walk on water. He just says, invite me to come. And he's saying, it's time that we focused less on the needs of our flesh and our soul and start focusing on the giver of life altogether. And he's saying, I will take care of the rest. It's in this following of Christ that this freedom, this state of peace becomes a reality where circumstances no longer hinder our ability to see, to imagine, to create, to do and to love. You know, our goal this year is to equip you to follow Jesus, to discover how to access all things that relate to life and to liberty. We read in, in 2 Peter chapter 1, it says in verse 5 to 8, it says, Giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. To virtue, knowledge. To knowledge, self-control. To self-control, perseverance. To perseverance, godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness. To brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus. Can you imagine living a life absolutely fruitful in the Lord Jesus. We seek so much fruit, don't we? We seek so much uh, reward in life. And he's saying, do you want the reward of life or do you want to be fruitful in me? And if you do, why don't you allow me to add to your faith? Why don't you allow me to add some tools to your life that can help you follow me, that can help you focus on me more clearly, that can help you seek first the kingdom of God. We keep saying those things, but we stop doing those things because we keep getting distracted. We need to, we need to keep reminding ourselves constantly. We need to keep uh, encouraging each other to say, hey, let's focus on him. Let's follow him. You see, for us to follow Christ to freedom, the spirit, of truth must reside in our hearts. And not only must it reside in our hearts, it must pass into our conduct. And once it passes into our conduct, it transforms us in the process to people who live free. It's not just a set of mechanics that we need in life. It's not just, it's not just a set of rules. It's not just a set of guidelines. It's a change of heart and a turn of mind. It's next level following. 
It's taking our following up a notch. Up a notch. You see, as we follow Christ more diligently, as we add to our faith these things that, that, he, that he has given us in his word, we gain a new attitude. We gain a new ability to apply this attitude of heaven to every conversation and every act in our lives. The biggest challenge with not being free is the fact that Christ isn't influencing that area of your life. This is where we're not free. We're not free in the areas that Christ doesn't reign. This year is about giving it all to him. This year is about following him with all of our heart. He says, love the Lord with how much of your heart? All of it. How much of your mind? How much of your strength? All of it. He wants all of it. And this year we're going to say, hey, this is how you do it. This is how we do it. This is how we give give all of it. Following Christ begins with a commitment to having a deeper relationship with him. And this requires a deeper understanding of him, which requires us to learn the language of him. We believe that God wants to teach us a new language this year. In Zephaniah 3.9, he says, For then I will restore to the peoples a pure language. Why a pure language? Why? So they can call on my name. And they can serve me with one accord. You see, it's as we learn the language of heaven that our conversation becomes a right. The complaint of our day becomes less powerful than the declaration of our identity in him. And it's the thing that unifies us. I know when when we travel, when Chris and I travel over to, to Italy, I hear an Australian from a kilometre away. Because our language unifies us. Not in a beautiful way, in kind of the opposite way. But the language of heaven is what unifies us. You see, we, we, if we're not careful as the body of Christ, we can all talk different languages. But there is a unifying factor of Christ. We need to be speaking the identity of Christ over each other. And as we speak his identity over each other, we are united in him. And our conversation is a right. The language of God is one of faith, one of love, one of hope, one of peace, one of purity. It's a language that, that is yes and amen. It's, it's, it's not a language of, of why not. It's a language of yes and amen. And as we, require, as, as, as we acquire this language of heaven, as we acquire the words that he has given us, we begin to see our lives more clearly. We begin to see our position in life more clearly. We begin, to, we begin to understand that we are free no matter how we feel. We begin to be able to, to walk out a journey that he has, he has called us to walk on no matter what we see onto the left or onto the right. The problem that we have is we all know this language, but we lose it when we stop using it. I call it the spirituality of regularity when we're regular in our conversations, our spirit man is inspired. Are you ready to see clearly, to imagine, to create, to do and to love? Are you ready to be able to do this, church? You see, God wants, he wants it to begin with desire. Everything great in life begins with desire. 
The Bible says, he who desires to be an elder desires a good thing. It's as, it's as we desire something that we go through the motions to acquire what we desire. If we desire a new house, we work hard, we design it, we submit it to the builders, we go through the pain of building the house so we can acquire what we desire. If we want to walk in the liberty of Christ, then we've got to walk through the motions of focusing on him and becoming like him so that we can acquire what we desire, which is the liberty that only he can provide. So what are we going to do? We're going to teach you and we're going to learn together how to follow well. We will intensify our focus on Jesus in our adventure with him. Tools and strategies to deal with the boisterous winds and waves. We're going to add to our faith the attributes that lead to a life of liberty. Good habits, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, kindness. You know, we're going to work through these things that encourage us, that encourage us to see differently and to imagine clearly what God has before us. And we'll learn the language of God. We'll give you language to consider, to meditate on, that will help you define your life with a clarity that you've never had before. And the challenge for you is simply this. Take courage and keep focus. See, the Lord is saying to you, saying, put your trust in me. Will you put your trust in me? Take courage and keep focused. Be open to growth led by God. And embrace the language of God. Let your words be refined by the spirit of truth. You see, we all live this common life. We all live and breathe and eat and go to work and, we, and, and sleep. We, we have this common life. But we want to live this common life extraordinarily well. And to do that, we need to follow Christ. And if we follow Christ, I guarantee we will live free. We have a small booklet to, uh, to give you all. There's a few guys who will hand them around which will, will give you an uh, unpack unpack what we're talking about this morning those who have got those booklets can hand those out that'd be great here's my promise we will not be negligent in reminding you of the fruitfulness of following Christ we will not be negligent in constantly reminding you that your liberty is in Christ, that your fruitfulness is in Christ. Not only yours, but your children's children. As you focus on him, as you establish yourself in him, as you refine your following of him, your children's children will experience that liberty as well. Why doesn't the band jump up? Why don't you stand with me this morning? I want to pray for you and encourage you in this journey that we're about to embark on. I like to do this each week. I like to ask if you want to agree, if you want to stand with me in prayer, why don't you put your hand on your heart? So we remind ourselves that this is a matter of the heart. These things that we do are matters of the heart. They're not matters of the flesh. They're matters of the core of who we are. We know that he's, he's taking out that stony heart. And he's putting in a heart of flesh. A heart that sees and loves and desires the things of him.
So let's bow our head. If you, if you want to agree with me in this prayer, just agree. Agree in your heart with me. Father, we are ready to follow you to freedom. Lord, we thank you that the mysterious ways of heaven are available for us, Lord. Lord, as we consider this year, as we meditate this year on the mysteries of Christ and on your ways and on your capacity and on your power and on your grace and on your authority and on your truth as we meditate on these things, Lord. Help us, Lord, to imitate what they contain and to obtain what they promise. Father, I speak life over every heart that has a hand on it this morning. May your will be established. May your truth be established. May the unity of your spirit be the guider of this house. And we thank you, Father, that the spirit of truth is in us. And we remind ourselves that we are free in the mighty name of Jesus. And we ask these things in that mighty name right now. And the church said together, Amen. You ready to follow him to freedom, church? Let's do it. Let's sing.